Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Hello boys and girls, welcome to the Super Bowl edition of uh, Masala PTI. This is your host Aravind with uh, my friend uh, Ravi. Ravi, are you ready for the big game? Yes, definitely ready Aravind. Uh, promises to be a very exciting one. Uh, and especially after the last, uh, except for last year, but the previous two years the Super Bowl was quite pulsating and I think this year promises to be no different. Definitely. Um, Let's get into some of the details and let's let's see who uh, you and I pick on various uh, aspects of the game. But uh, before delving into that, Ravi, I really wanted to get something off my chest. I'm really bothered by this whole uh, Devin Booker being left off of the oh, All-Star game. I, I'm usually not a big All-Star guy. Yeah, to be frank, I, I don't get worked up over the whole uh, snub thing. And the other thing that bothers me too is people, it's too easy to say somebody got snubbed, but nobody really says who should they be replacing or, yeah. you know, basically some experts don't take a stand on, you know, dropping somebody, right? There's only so many spots. So you can't just say Bradley Beal needs to be there. That's easy, but who are you going to drop? But this thing was so bizarre to me that I could literally name you like 10 people they probably can drop in favor of uh, uh, Booker. Booker, I think yesterday they announced uh, seven Eastern reserves and seven Western reserves. Obviously, Devin Booker is in the West. But if you actually take the totality of the 14, I think he's no lower than five. I can't name you four people who deserve to be there more than him, right? Of course, West is always loaded. So there's three of them from the West. I would put Lillard and positionally Rudy Gobert and uh, uh, Nikola Jokic before I put Booker. But there is not a single guard in the West in the reserve that I would put over him. I think he deserved to be there over Westbrook, Chris Paul or Donovan Mitchell. And of course, East is always, I guess, the least. Uh, I can't name a single guy, maybe Ben Simmons is the only one I would take about him. So I was really pissed that he didn't make the All-Star. And this was the year, right? Because at least uh, this year, Curry and Clay were not there. And I didn't even check the roster for a long time because I assumed he's going to make it because without Curry and Clay, it was not as competitive as it usually is. And then I was shocked when they uh, left him off the roster. You know, and I'm actually equally peeved, as uh, you just said. I have not, not much more to add in regards to my frustration other than what you've already articulated. Except, uh, Arvind, uh, not except, but in addition to the fact that uh, this uh, obvious unfairness has not been lost on even his uh, peer group in the NBA, right? I mean, uh, right. I do not remember the last time someone getting snubbed was so vociferously pointed out by his peers, uh, current players. And that exactly. is, you know, for what it's worth, a consolation that uh, you have everyone from Lou Williams to Trey Young to 
possibly a bunch of others uh, yeah. stating that uh, CJ McCollum yeah. yeah there's a lot yeah. of people have come out and named yeah. them yeah and and, and, I, and you you make a very good point also that even if we want if we were to be slightly more into problem solving here here and say that okay fine if he makes it who doesn't to me even that logic is uh, irrelevant because uh, uh, you know to be honest with you name me uh, you know two guards you know guards whether point or uh, shooting guards were be- playing better than him at this time in especially in the west and i can't think of any exactly so, so it's not even a question of who does he make instead of to me as you very correctly said there are possibly half a dozen people yeah. half a dozen all star players who have been chosen who do not deserve a spot ahead of uh, de booker and the other thing is often times you know a lot of uh, convenient lazy analysts point to win loss record and say that it reflects on the team's success or lack thereof and to me again there it that logic falls a little bit flat because let's not look at their actual win loss record let's look at the fact that here's a team which has been a perennial doormat this decade lost uh, eight for 25 games and still is in the on the bubble right they are exactly either 9th or 10th so you can't ask for a you know more even from uh, enabling team team productivity or team success so it is it is a farce i mean it is so ridiculously bad this right. particular time that uh, there is no one that can make a cogent argument uh, for him not making it exactly i think you you your point about the record is very interesting because They won I believe just 19 games last year they are already ahead of that this yeah. year so essentially he is leading a team uh which is moving in the right direction right and for all the record people uh Trey Young is starting in the east uh now if you want to blame that on the fans voting then the coaches on the reserves actually put Brandon Ingram there So it's pretty inconsistent all the way around right and Brandon Ingram the uh, Pelicans are way way behind the Suns even in the record column so it it was pretty bad actually I- the only counterpoint arvins to my frustration is selfishly as a phoenix suns fan i'm actually happy that uh, not happy but i'm okay that he didn't make it because i hope that all of that angst and frustration and kind of i'll show it to you attitude reflects itself in the suns games moving forward as it has even thus far but yeah. i hope that he basically uh, you know paying homage to the uh, the mamba mentality uh, of the recently deceased kobe kind of really shows it to the world uh, that uh, that he should have made it to the all star team yeah yeah i'm i'm really curious to see what he does today actually um yeah, any good. anyway so let's transition to the topic of I, the day Oh. Actually, sorry, Arvind. Just one quick thing to that point. You know what I really actually loved was, uh, did you see James Jones actually you know, released a press release on behalf of the Phoenix Suns, yes. saying that uh, we feel Booker is a perennial All Star or something to that effect? And I kind of like that. I mean, I know it sounds a little juvenile for the organization to comment on it, but I kind of like that. I mean, there is no way to back your star player any better than that. Right, right. That's yeah. I also liked it. but part of me is also like this is now going to become a thing yeah. I, i already see like every agent of the rookies uh, complaining about uh, rookies and second year players left of the that rising star game or whatever they call it 
So there is even, I think, uh, it was uh, whose agent? Like Metis Tabuli or whatever his name is, the Philly 76ers as a promising rookie. His agent is calling like the assistant coaches, the assistant with the ASS in uppercase and all of that. <laughs> so I, I agree with you, but at the same time, I don't want all these front office and agents getting involved every time somebody is snubbed. But this one was truly uh, a legendary uh, screw up by the coaches. True. True. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, uh, switching on to the Super Bowl. So, you know, it's you and I live in uh, the Bay Area, but at the same time, I think um, you are not a huge uh, Niner fan. I, I'm kind of, I would say, a lukewarm Niner fan. Uh, being a season ticket holder, I, I kind of like them probably a little bit more than you. Yes. But this one is uh, supposed to be, I, I'm expecting it to be a great game between the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, the Niners. Uh, let, let's start with the game itself. So as it stands now, Ravi, I believe the Chiefs are favored by Vegas by like a point and a half, right. which tells you everything you need to know about you know, how close everybody is expecting this to be. And the over-under is about 44 and a half, I think. I think it started... Uh, sorry, 54. Yeah, 54 and a half. It started at around 52 and it kind of spiked up to 54.5, which tells you where the fans are, uh, uh, you know, where their mind is at with, with the, as far as the scoring goes. So let me tell you what I think and, and you know, I would like to get your thoughts on it. And I have a feeling we may differ a little bit. I think on the over, uh, despite it spiking up, I still like the over. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think these two offenses can score uh, almost at will, even though their styles may be different. And on the other, uh, as far as the game, I do agree it's going to be a tight one. But I do think uh, I'm going to put some money on the Niners. I, I think they can pull it off. Basically, the way I see it, Ravi, is... The strength-on-strength matchup is here, obviously, the Kansas City offense versus uh, Niner defense, right? The the relative weakness versus weakness is the uh, Niner offense versus KC defense, even though both units are decent. I think Niners have an opportunity to win that battle, right? So the interesting uh, point for me is going to be who wins the strength-on-strength contest between Mahomes, the offense, and the Niner defense. Uh, I think the Niner defense won't be able to stop him, obviously, but I, I'm hoping that they can kind of slow him down enough and be disruptive enough uh, to the point where whatever the advantage he gets there, uh, the, the Niner offense would be able to offset it on the other end and kind of win a close one. So that's where my brain is at right now. What What are you thinking? So I'm like 50-50 in regards to agreeing and disagreeing with uh, your uh, calls for the game. I also agree with you on the over. In fact, I'm a little bit surprised that uh, the points over under is at 54 and a half. Maybe it should have been a couple of points higher. I see. Uh, I see it is pretty it's, high though, right? I mean, 54 is, is pretty high, yeah. It is high, but you know, I do uh, uh, at the same time feel that uh, these are offensive systems that put put up points in bunches and as such uh, to me there is no uh, 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 you know obvious reason why they wouldn't score and I know I'm kind of talking 
about a Niners defense uh, which was among the best in the league. Uh, but for the most part, they were never, uh, even during the season, they weren't a lockdown defense. They were opportunistic. They were extremely fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, uh, I and I love your, uh, you know, the way you kind of uh, drew up the strength versus strength uh, uh, scheme and uh, your contention that the Niners defense will over overpower or kind of overcome the uh, uh, the KC offense and that's where I think I differ from you. Uh, to me, I think in both of the playoff games thus far, in slightly adverse conditions to the pure pass-happy game that uh, Andy Reid loves to uh, call out, um, both in terms of the weather as well as the opposition, I think Kansas City, uh, when they wanted, they were able to score. Mahomes was able to kind of uh, scramble around, make some plays by himself. And all of that, in my mind, is what will differentiate uh, uh, this game. And I see KC winning and uh, the over, I mean, the points will be on the over side of things. Okay. Um, the yeah. one additional thing that I felt and I thought through this, I mean, and obviously part of it is my money is on the Chiefs, so I'm kind of also trying to uh, identify pointers which will help me feel good about my my, <laughs> my money being on the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I also realized over the course of the season was the only type of QB that the Niners had issues with uh, were the mobile type of QBs, the Russell Wilson, true, true. the Kyler Murray types. True. And Mahomes may not be the, 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 the run-happy scrambler that the previous two guys are. But he has enough juice in his legs uh, that he could make things difficult in terms of you know the Niners' uh, uh, intent to keep him in the pocket. And that's where I think the difference in the game will be. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes is definitely going to be a problem for them, right? Uh, yeah. But where I do disagree with you, Ravi, is uh, your characterization of their defense. I think their defense, I mean, the Niners' defense, um, I, I think... Uh, they had a rough stretch. So maybe overall, uh, numbers-wise and stuff like that, what you're saying is true, that they were not super-duper dominant because there was a stretch, including two games against the Cardinals, which I'm sure you remember, where Kyler Murray was not uh, too much troubled by them, actually. He had, he had some good halves, at least, if not the entire game. But they also uh, the Niners defense also had some injuries, like D. Ford and Quan Alexander, and, and they were pretty affected by it. I don't think they ever got uh, credit for those injuries. Not that, you know, anybody cares, but that was really the reason they took a dip. And this happened right in the middle of the season, right? Sure. Now That's... they're, yeah, now they're quite healthy. And if you look at the playoffs, th- that's really how they started the season. They are pretty dominant when all of them have been uh, healthy and playing. So... If I were to contest your analysis, that's the only thing I would say is you may be, may be uh, underestimating their defense a little bit. But then again, like you said, because of the Mahomes factor, uh, even when the Niners defense is completely healthy, they have had trouble with mobile quarterbacks, right? Including yeah. Kyler Murray. So the Mahomes factor is there and they can easily lose this game, right? If, if Kansas City wins, I'm not going to be shocked. Uh, but... Uh, that matchup, the fast defensive line of Niners versus Mahomes is the most fascinating matchup in the Super Bowl. And I think if the Niners defense does its job and bothers them just enough, I think they can snatch this one. Because on the other side, uh, there's a lot of 
doubts around Jimmy, but I feel like he's he's not all of famer or anything like that yet. At least not yet, right? But I think there is enough there between him and the schemes that Shanahan comes up with and the running game and the running talent that they should be able to score in this one. So uh, okay. that's my analysis. You know, that part I agree with because I think uh, recency bias ends up, uh, I realized just in the last couple of years of tracking the, uh, you know, the lines or props or uh, player bets, etc. That recency bias is much more prevalent in people's minds than you would think. And I think one of the evidences of that is some of the props associated with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I think, yes, I agree with you that he's not Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, but he is not a quarterback that you hold back to throw less than eight passes a game. I mean, I think he's much more uh, competent than that. Right. Uh, and, and, and I think you're right. That added with the fact that uh, Shanahan creates play designs that uh, you and I could exploit. So, there's a no reason why Jimmy uh, you know, couldn't end up with a reasonably competent uh, QB score sheet. Right, right. The, the other, uh, you know, not to go off on a tangent, the other problem I have with uh, people in general criticizing anybody who is not Brady, Breeze, or Rogers, right? That's a tendency I notice. Yeah. People think, oh, he can't be, win the big one. He's not, you know, he's not a Super Bowl quarterback. And they say that pretty much for everybody because Brady has been so great over the last 20 years. And my point is, listen, I mean, if you're expecting Brady to come through the door every other year, then Brady is not Brady, right? He's special, he's the GOAT, because you are going to see a Brady only once in 50 years. So, football is ultimate team sport. You better win with a Jimmy or a Matthew Stafford or, a, you know, guys of that caliber. You know what I mean? You, yes, you can't say that anybody lower than Breeze, Brady and Rogers is useless and cannot win. Then... Why do you even have an organization and a front office and a 53-man roster and a head coach, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Because this, and this goes both ways, Arvind, in the sense that football is the one sport. And I remember we discussed this in one of our earlier podcasts where we are talking about an extensively large uh, playing roster, you know, obviously up to 53 people. And then you talk about the front office and the exhausting inventory of coaching staff extra. there are so many moving pieces that you literally needed to function like an organization like a company for things to really end up in a successful outcome right it is one of those where you have a kobe bryant or a michael jordan with five people on the floor and one person who wills your team to a win with a triple double or with a 60 point outburst exactly everything to work like in a seamless orchestra and uh, uh, so I agree with you. So, right. Think so, the QB is senseless. Yeah. So my my point is, if you have a good coach and a good organization and a good team, you better win with, uh, uh, you like know, a types. exactly, uh, uh, or at least a little higher, right? Like a, yeah, yeah. a st- that's why I've always been a fan of teams paying like a Stafford and a Romo and guys like that. You, you can't just sit there hoping for Brady to show up, right? If you're the Lions or the Cowboys. That's why I think I don't even know what Jaira is doing in Dallas, not paying Prescott. I like that guy too. You should be able to win with a Prescott or a Garoppolo. And when I say win, even a Super Bowl, if you put the right team around them. Now, 
one of our friends ravi does agree with that philosophy but contests me on the fact that i am even putting jimmy with the staffords and the romos right he thinks he's a step lower than them that that's a argument we can have but i i do think he's in that ballpark and a good coach a good organization should be able to win with with that caliber of quarterback and you know and you, uh, you you bring up something really important to me also i don't consider jimmy to be in the same tier or league as a stafford or a prescott but to me him winning on sunday or losing should not dictate whether he is he is at that tier or not that's the other problem because it will you know it will it hours from now <laughs> yeah. the san francisco 49ers are the super bowl champions you don't want the narrative to be that jimmy garoppolo knows how to win the big one and vice versa if he doesn't he's not good because uh, you know right knows. right there is so much that goes into it that dictates whether a team ends up winning the one game it's not a seven game series it's one game exactly but that's that's exactly how the narrative will be you know that i know that but maybe you and i will uh, uh, abstain from that in our next part how about that <laughs> but anyway so um that's our uh, pick on the games and i i know ravi you had some interesting props that you wanted to talk about we should go through that i'm looking forward to that uh this is just uh, betting on player props for the super bowl those are always interesting for this game because it has a lot more options compared to a normal uh, uh Sunday game or a NBA game or any anything and that Super Bowl is not like none other right but before you go into that the one prop i did want to bring up which probably is in your list too as well what do you think for the MVP because i see some interesting odds especially on the niner side because on the chief side i think it's straightforward right if they win it's probably 99.9% is going to be mahomes unless you That's... you object to that assumption no i don't i don't in fact uh, uh, you know the only uh, options other than mahomes that i can even think of and by the way this is with the admission that of all the props that i did research and looked through the one i did not was the uh, list of uh, mvp okay related props so i don't as so i'm kind of uh, 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 playing this totally blind but i can think of no one other than maybe kelsey or tyreek hill as other candidates from kc but then their success will by and large be dictated by mahomes anyways yeah part. so so yeah so in that sense the qb always has a an almost uh, unfair umbrella advantage in terms of mvp uh, perception right that's why i think the niner case is interesting right um i feel like uh, rahim mostert has a good shot yes and to your point i had the same thinking about kittle right a lot of people are picking kittle to have a very strong game but then a lot of that credit may flow to jimmy anyways because like you said quarterbacks have a very un- due advantage here what how do you handicap the niner side if so, if if you even consider the possibility that they would win looks like you are on the kansas city side I'm i totally <laughs> i absolutely am but i you know in the in the spirit of the uh, of the topic though if the niners were to win the one that i would be interested to look at and if you can let me know what his odds are is debo sam because to me he's the one guy that breaks that uh, that stereotype in regards to you know wide receiver stats being dictated by how the qb does mm-hmm. if 
Jimmy threw the ball eight times last last uh, or two weekends ago, or was it eight completions or whatever? But I think half of them went to Debo Samuel. Plus, he has many number of rushes, and he has those end arounds and uh, uh, you know creative ways of uh, get of uh, Stanahan finds creative ways of getting in the ball. So he would be the one guy, especially if the odds are not too favorable. I would kind of strongly consider a Debo Samuel buck uh, for MVP. Oh, interesting. Interesting you say that because I was just in the uh, car a uh, couple of hours back and I was surprised by this too because I am with you on that. But apparently even um, uh, he's 30 to 1, which is, I thought was pretty low or the returns are pretty high, which is good for us, right? If we really like him. But what surprised me as did the radio host was Apparently, even Breeder was higher than him. At least that's what I heard. What? Yeah. <laughs> no sense to me. So, he, Emmanuel Sanders is lower than him, 60 to 1. Um, yeah, I don't know which where he saw this. I'm surprised too because Breeder is a little bit on the doghouse, right? After fumbling. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, uh, to me, uh, Mustard is the safe pick, but uh, wow, based on uh, Debo looks even more interesting if it's 30 to 1. Yeah, Debo is uh, in that range. Uh, whether or not the radio host misanalyzed uh, the Breeder situation, um, I, I'm looking at another list just to confirm. I know this is not good podcast form looking through a website while we are talking, but um, yeah, Breeder is... Plus seventy five hundred. Oh, okay. And Debo is plus twenty five hundred. So here it looks like Breeda is much lower. Anyway, maybe the radio screwed it up. So cool. So um, Mostert and Kittle, Garoppolo, they are the top three for the Niners. And uh, I may like Mostert of the three. I may go Mostert, Kittle, and then Garoppolo actually. Uh, I don't know what would be yeah. your order. Uh, yeah, same, same, yeah. Okay. You know, in fact, uh, uh, to me, uh, uh, you, uh, yeah, that's part of the reason why I'm not too fond of, uh, not too keen on uh, betting uh, in favor of any 49er-related prop. It could be one of those where, uh, and is Coleman playing or not? I think he, he's, he, he should. Because to me, if you remember, uh, week 13 or 14 of the regular season, had a four touchdown game to me that in essence was kind of translated into Mostert having the three touchdown game last week a four touchdown game two weekends ago Mostert looks like the best running back on the roster but that way there is no standard palette as far as uh, Shanahan is no. to me that would be worrisome to me the only consistent uh, offensive uh, bank as far as the 49ers are concerned is Kittle but yeah. then you know, he's as valuable as a blocker as he is as a receiver. So, I'm just in general, I would be all let's see if I were to be betting a hedge bet on the 49ers players as MVP targets, except obviously a lottery, which would be in this case, uh, Debo Samuel or even an Emmanuel Sanders. Right, right. That's a, that's a good analysis. The one thing for uh, Kittle is since he's getting so much press for his blocking. Uh, there's a possibility that he has a decent receiving game, and but he wins the MVP anyways because they kind of 
factor all of that in. Usually you're right, nobody cares about blocking and all that. But in this case, it may actually help him out just because he's a tight end and he gets too much uh, uh, hype around his blocking and interest in blocking and, and, you know, love of blocking and things like that. It may help him out. But anyway, I think overall I agree with your assessment as well. Why don't you uh, jump into some of the ones you like? Yeah, so, um, you know, in, in kind of preparing for this particular topic, I kind of scanned the, the, the list of available props and I wanted to keep it in a particular boundary. And uh, at the low end, what I wanted to be sure of was that any of the props that we discussed mm-hmm. has at least a 2 is to 1 return. You know, at least either a yes or a no should have a plus 200 associated with it okay. uh, versus, versus, you know, props that are too safe. Uh, according to me and on the flip side i didn't want to go for things which are like you know 90 to 1 or even for that matter right 10 to so these are safer props but ones that i feel super confident about uh, and where it starts getting exciting is now there are some sites which offer a parlay you know a multi-prop parlay on some of these so which makes the returns that much more enticing so sure to start off with uh, the first one i'd like to discuss is will either team score four straight times without the other team scoring uh, <laughs> that's a plus 210 for a yes and obviously a negative 85 for a no and to me that's not as unreasonable a proposition as you would think because in both of their playoff games thus far the uh, Kansas City Chiefs have scored four times without the other team scoring and mm-hmm. the Niners have done that as well interesting so, whether it is in catch-up mode or because one of the teams is just kind of playing lights out uh, in you know either of the halves, uh, that's something which I feel is a fairly safe. I watched the. Is it four scores without the other team scoring, or is it four touchdowns without the? No four scores. It could be four field goals. It could be. I see. It could be three safeties and a field goal as well. I see. It's anything other than conversions. I see. Like Without the other team scoring any field goal either, right? Basically. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, and, I'm, yeah. yeah, sorry, go ahead. So, so that was the first one. Uh, I don't like it, Ravi, actually. What, what, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, opposed to your uh, thought on this. Okay. Uh, I feel like the only scenario that can happen is if uh, one of the teams pulls away big time which uh, happened, you are right, you know, pretty much, you know, Kansas City fell back like 24 nothing in one quarter and things like that. Uh, but like you said, if both teams have done it, it tells me that both teams are pretty good and against each other, they're going to have trouble doing that. But I can see where if one team is way behind, then this can happen later in the second half, right? Uh, but I, I, I would... Personally, I would uh, stay away from it. Hmm, interesting, but yeah, I think that's why. Okay. Look, your your uh, your opinion is the is, is the I guess the right opinion, which is why it is lower is, odds. It is a plus two hundred. Yeah, yeah. Uh, along similar lines, in terms of odds, at least is uh, will there be a defensive or special teams touchdown? And the yes on that is a two five plus two hundred five. Mm-hmm. The no negative 265 to me in a game as tense as a Super Bowl plus a game where there is obviously literally uh, you know uh, it's 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 a do or die situation um, 
teams have always, and I was looking at some stat where I believe six of the last eight or something ridiculous like that had a defensive or a special team score. Right. Uh, and this, by the way, includes safety. So to me, you know, again, not very likely, but to me, a two-to-one odds on there being a defensive or special teams touchdown seems like a fairly good, uh, good, good problem. I, I agree on this one. I would, uh, I mean, uh, just put something on this. Just because, you know, Jimmy tends to does throw, Jimmy does throw <laughs> one or two of the other guy's numbers. Typically, uh, it's up to the defense whether they catch it or not, almost. Uh, uh, that's one factor. The other factor is Richard Sherman is involved too, right? Even though Mahomes is pretty accurate and he, he doesn't turn the ball over that much, uh, Sherman is a very cerebral player and he can always uh, sneak in and uh, pick one off. Uh, but then, of course, here he has to also kind of go all the way and score. But... Uh, I, I I like it. I, I don't mind putting some few bucks on this one. So the next one is, and this is one I hope you agree with me on, is total touchdowns in the game. And the over-under is seven and a half. And the yes for seven and a half or over seven and a half is two or five. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there's a correlation here. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, I like it. Because uh, it's a definitely... Uh, very high, but since we are going over anyways, um, eight touchdowns is a lot of touchdowns, especially in the Super Bowl, Ravi, you know, there are teams are kind of jittery at the start and all that, right? Especially with Kansas City, uh, they've been kind of jittery even in the two playoff games so far. Um, now I'm making my argument against the over in some ways, but I think it will go over and I'm comfortable putting something on this as well. What do you think? I'm, I'm all in on the over. In fact, <laughs> I'm looking at the, the, the odds for the total score to go above 70. And Whoa. obviously, uh, it starts getting into the 10 is to 1s at that range. But to me, that is not uh, out of out of the realm of possibility. What so, did you say? 10 is to 1? That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I think, 71 plus from 10 is to 1. And so to me, if anyway, not, not that a total score of 70 plus is going to happen, but to me, even if we are somewhere in that, in that zone, uh, 7 and a half, or sorry, 8 touchdowns uh, is quite likely. Nice, nice. That's a, yeah, I, I like those. Uh, okay. Basically, we are shading heavily on the oversight of uh, these yeah, it, scores. It, again, it's based on a certain, I guess, uh, story that we would like to craft <laughs> the game to go. And I think some of these props lend themselves to kind of help with that. Right. What I have noticed in general, Ravi, with the over-under is it's completely uh, turnover-driven. Uh, turnovers can completely screw it up both ways, right? When in a low-scoring game, uh, pick six can suddenly make it quote-unquote high-scoring. And in a high in a game like this where we are expecting high-scoring, turnover can actually affect uh, you know the uh, over side of things, right? Where somebody could you know Mahomes could drive eighty yards and then turn the ball over, whereby we have wasted five minutes and no score came out of it. That exactly. sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But turnovers, let's say there are no turnovers, right? Just for argument's sake. 
then I'm very comfortable with all of these uh, high scoring uh, prompts. That's right, exactly. Uh, and so along similar lines, this one I found really interesting and probably among the safer ones that I have in my list. And that is, will either teams make a field goal in the second quarter and the no on that is a plus 20? I so see. if you're given a 15-minute quarter, uh-huh. I have two high-scoring teams and one really good defense. To me, you know, I'll take the 2 is to one likelihood that there is a field goal in that quarter. I see. Why Why second quarter though? Any reason or they have it for all four quarters? They do, but for the other quarters, the, the returns were much lower. Interesting. For some reason, for the second quarter, it is at a plus 220. Okay, so then basically they what they're assuming is there'll be some jitters like we spoke about. And then the offenses get comfortable and then they kind of start uh, slinging it and moving the ball and scoring touchdowns. So that right. seems to be the thinking. That's interesting, but uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I'm neither here nor there on that, but it's an interesting one for sure. Yeah. So now we get to some of the player props, uh, and then, you know, there are a couple here which, again, I feel fairly safe money. And one, the first one of which is will Raheem Mostert score a touchdown in the first and the second half. So in essence, ah. he will have touchdowns and. One of them will be, or at least one of them will be in the first half and one of them will be in the second half. And the yes for that is a plus 400. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's that's a good good one. I, I can go with that for sure. Yeah. What do you think? So then, yeah, I'm totally in on it. And again, you know, again, it's part, it depends on what kind of narrative you want to follow. And to me, if it is going to be high scoring, irrespective of the fact that the Chiefs, I feel, have a, you know, have a stronger chance to win. Right. Me, it's a walkover and I think especially after what we have seen in the last what, six weeks with Moster uh, right. teams uh, the 49ers uh, blocking and his quickness lend themselves to almost like a perfect combination he's by, I mean, by far their best runner right. and they seem you know very comfortable scoring from 10, 12, 15 yards out so it's it, again none of these are sure props which is the reason why we are even discussing these but to me a 4 is to 1 for two Raheem Mostert touchdowns spread across the two halves is not a bad proposition. Agreed. The only challenge for the Niners is one of the reasons why the uh, odds are so uh, high is because of the three-headed monster at running back, right? Uh, Like we are just one game removed from uh, Coleman having a monster game. Didn't he? Didn't he have a great game in the first playoffs, actually? First playoff game and then Mostert dominated the second one, right? That's a challenge, but I agree with you that Mostert clearly should be the uh, headliner in this backfield. As good as the other two guys are, Mostert seems to be special. He, he, look, he looks different. And also, I mean, again, if it was a 2-1, to one, I wouldn't probably have this particular prop on this list. But to me, the fact that if you combine the, the combine what we think of Mostert, yeah. uh, plus Coleman separated his shoulder. I know he's supposed to play, but, you know, to me, the guarantee of him getting enough touches to kind of eat away into Mostert's time is not as likely as if he as if he was not injured. So to me, kind of uh, chips are lying in place for Mostert to have a big game, and if so, to me, four is to one seems fairly fairly healthy. Agree, totally agree. Yeah. So the next one that uh, I found interesting was whether uh, Kyle Juszczyk would have at least one rushing attempt, so kind of rushing attempt. 
over under 0.5 and the yes on that was at 290 oh nice you know, I would be a little bit more comfortable with the pass catching attempt for him, actually. That's right. I mean, the over under is four and a half or three and a half. Uh, and what did you say was it for rushing? Uh, it's 0.5 that he has to have at least uh, one rush. And it's at a, almost at a plus 300. I see. Yeah, uh, it's uh, somebody was telling me that uh, they are going to bet on uh, Kyle Juszczyk scoring the first touchdown of the game. Because, uh, you know, he's part of their whole uh, gimmick, right? Whenever Shanahan draws something uh, exotic, Kyle Juszczyk is just as likely as anybody else to get a pass or something, especially in the uh, end zone. So somebody was saying, looking at the returns, that uh, Juszczyk scoring the first touchdown, they're going to actually put some money on it because you never know with Shani, right? But right. this one is interesting too. Um, like I said, I would be a little bit more comfortable with him as a pass catcher. Uh, but as a runner, yeah, he does get some touches here and there. Right. And, but to, to your point around uh, uh, Juszczyk scoring the first touchdown, I had exactly the same kind of thoughts regarding Kendrick Horn. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? I mean, last few games I've noticed, in fact, uh, at least the second half of the season, I've noticed that any time you feel like uh, uh, you know they they get into a third and five, third and eight, third and nine around the goal line. Uh, for some reason, Bourne ends up with a TD. So and his odds were also not very uh, probabilistic. So to me, he looked like a fair game as well. Agreed. He's he's been great. You know, yeah. one of the not to digress uh, again, but. Uh, one of the reasons they have been so good is they basically pivoted in season from a receiving core of Marquise Goodwin, Goodwin, Dante Pettis, and a rookie Debo to a slightly more experienced Debo, Emmanuel Sanders, and Kendrick Bourne. I don't even know where Goodwin and Pettis are. Do Absolutely. you? Absolutely agreed with you. And I think, uh, again, Shanahan has been masterful in not kind of abiding by reputations because Goodwin was you know what you would call uh, using cricket parlance what Ravi Shastri and all of those guys <laughs> were like a good humble servant for the 49ers over the past few seasons but uh, too inconsistent obviously ridden with some personal issues the last couple of years but uh, Shanahan has been quick to kind of dismantle and reassess and restructure right uh, his team and I think the receiving core is the biggest example of that. Right, right, agreed. And Bourne is the biggest beneficiary of that too. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So then there are three more uh, that I had on my list. Of, obviously, one of them was uh, Jimmy total touchdown passes plus or minus two point five, and the over on that, as in over two point five passes, was at two seventy plus two seventy. Okay. Uh, but to me, him scoring three touchdown passes is not as uh, uh, you know, unlikely or abnormal as it seems to be. I agree with you on that. Actually, I like that because I think I have a feeling uh, Kansas City is going to load up on stopping the run. Yeah. And uh, Jimmy will be forced to uh, do some things in this game. And I think Ky- uh, Kyle Shanahan will be absolutely ready for that. In fact, he may come out firing and throwing the ball early in this game. Plus, if Kansas City win, like pulls off and kind of starts uh, dominating, they have to throw and try to catch up, anyways. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And 
you know, and you're, you're exactly right. And to me, some of it is also built on the recency bias-led narrative. So to me, let's say the 49ers start well. And by the way, I'm kind of segueing to my 1A of this particular prop. And that is that Jimmy throwing a first quarter touchdown pass. Okay. Is at a P20. Plus 320 for Jimmy to throw a first quarter TD. And to me, if the 49ers get off the blocks early and are kind of in a position to score, I almost feel like to dispel this narrative mm-hmm. that all the 49ers do is to kind of pull the keys back from Jimmy and make I mean, you know, make him into a basically a, a door manager. I think they Shanahan might want to create an opportunity for him to get a TD in. So to me, the plus three twenty on him getting a first quarter touchdown pass, uh, fairly good. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you on that as well. Um, yeah. yeah. And then the last two, Arvind, this one was really interesting to me, which is uh, the player to score touchdown and their team wins. So this player, I mean, any one of these three guys, Demarcus Robinson, Lashawn McCoy, or Bicol Hartman, scoring a touchdown in the game. Oh, okay. Yeah. City wins is at a 500 plus 500 that's low i would have expected it to be even higher considering uh she did shady even get a carry in those two playoff no, games it was inactive last week why uh, yeah you're right i forgot about that why though he was active the week before against houston and i believe he's going to be active this week but uh i yeah i yeah that's uh that should be more than 500 i think what do you think so I actually like this. I like this because uh, mm-hmm. was it too? Yeah, it was not this past game against the Titans, but the one before that. I think Mahomes. Hold on, let me let me interrupt you. Are you saying it is one of the three, or these are three separate? No, no, no. One of the three. Oh, okay. So do you? So then, uh, okay. Do you like one of them more than the other? Maybe like Hartman or something? Yeah, yeah. So I, my pecking order would be Robinson, Hartman, and. Uh, because Robinson has had a couple of chances in the playoffs mm-hmm. dropped the ball both times and these two drops happened in two separate games so hopefully you know the first drop didn't lead to Mahomes or Andy Reid not trusting him enough to throw him again and again he dropped it so hopefully the carryover is not there but to me okay. he is someone that ends up becoming that safety ball for Mahomes when Hale is double teamed and Kelsey can't get Hardman, I'm hoping, gets one of those totally random, you know, uh, uh, end-arounds or uh, even a special teams uh, opportunity. McCoy is the one who I'm least optimistic about. But to me, the fact that with a highly potent offense, uh, uh, one of these three skill position players, mm-hmm. anyone getting a chance to score a TD and KC to win, uh, are odds uh, or is, is, is a scenario which I would be willing to pay for a plus 500 bet. Okay, that, that I'm, I'm with that. I, I misunderstood the prop originally. Considering all these three are uh, combined together, uh, yeah, I think the 500 kind of makes sense. And it's good odds. Um, the bigger problem I would have with this is actually Kansas City winning, but you being on that side, it actually makes even more sense. Yeah, yeah. And then the last one is uh, points above uh, 64 are at plus 600. Ooh, nice. So, uh, I, again, you know, we're talking about maybe a 35-31 game. And again, while it is not entirely like 
while it's not likely to me 6 to 1 seems fairly good odds yeah i li- i like that too i might put some money on that uh yeah um the, the i guess like you said the narrative is basically it's going to be a high scoring game that we have bought into and a lot of this fits into the the scoring ones fits into that narrative right now the counter way to do it is also hedge on a few things if you're betting like real big money and things like that but the game going 35 31 or something like that i can totally see that so plus 600 on something like that you said the total was what 64 or something that that i can i i'm fine with that that's right That's right. Yeah. Those were some great Super Bowl props, uh, Ravi. Thanks for sharing those and good luck with all of that. I will be joining you in some of those as well. I uh, wish you and our listeners a great Super Bowl Sunday. For all our sake, let's hope for a close, hotly contested game. Let's all have fun Sunday and talk to you guys soon again uh, after the Super Bowl.